Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection, Letter 2 to a Spiritual Director, between 1682 and 1683. Dear Reverend Father, Since I am not able to find my way of life described in books, although this does not really disturb me, I would nonetheless like to have the reassurance of knowing your thoughts on my present state. Several days ago, during a discussion with a pious person, I was told the spiritual life was a life of grace that begins with servile fear, that intensifies with the hope of eternal life, and that finds its consummation in pure love, and that there were various ways of ultimately arriving at this blessed consummation. I haven't followed these methods at all. On the contrary, I don't know why they provoked such fear in me in the beginning. But for this reason, on my entrance into religious life, I made the resolution to give myself entirely to God in atonement for my sins and to renounce everything else for the sake of his love. During the first years, I ordinarily thought about death, judgment, hell, paradise, and my sins when I prayed. I continued in this fashion for a few years, carefully applying myself the rest of the day, even during my work, to the practice of the presence of God, who was always near me, often in the very depths of my heart. This gave me a great reverence for God, and in this manner, faith alone was my reassurance. I gradually did the same thing during mental prayer, and this gave me great joy and consolation. This is how I began. I will admit that during the first 10 years, I suffered a great deal. The apprehension that I did not belong to God as I wished, my past sins always before my eyes, and the lavish graces God gave me were the sum and substance of all my woes. During this period, I fell often, but I got back up just as quickly. It seemed to me that all creatures, reason, and God himself were against me, and that faith alone was on my side. I was sometimes troubled by thoughts that this was the result of my presumption, in that I pretended to be all at once, where others were able to arrive only with difficulty. Other times I thought I was willingly damning myself, that there was no salvation for me. When I accepted the fact that I might spend my life suffering from these troubles and anxieties, which in no way diminished the trust I had in God and served only to increase my faith, I found myself changed all at once, and my soul, until that time always in turmoil, experienced a deep inner peace, as if it had found its center and place of rest. Since that time, I do my work in simple faith before God, humbly and lovingly, and I carefully apply myself to avoid doing, saying, or thinking anything that might displease him. I hope that, having done all that I can, he will do with me as he pleases. I cannot express to you what is taking place in me at present. I feel neither concern nor doubt about my state, since I have no will other than the will of God, which I try to carry out in all things, and to which I am so surrendered that I would not so much as pick up a straw from the ground against his order nor for any other reason than pure love. 
I gave up all devotions and prayers that were not required. And I devote myself exclusively to remaining always in his holy presence. I keep myself in his presence by simple attentiveness and a general loving awareness of God that I call actual presence of God. Or better, a quiet and secret conversation of the soul with God that is lasting. This sometimes results in interior and often exterior contentment and joys so great that I have to perform childish acts, appearing more like folly than devotion, to control them and keep them from showing outwardly. Therefore, Reverend Father, I cannot doubt at all that my soul has been with God for more than 30 years. I will admit a number of things so as not to bore you. I think, however, it would be appropriate to indicate the manner in which I see myself before God, whom I consider as my king. I consider myself as the most miserable of all human beings, covered with sores, foul and guilty of all sorts of crimes committed against my king. Moved by sincere remorse, I confess all my sins to him. I ask him pardon and abandon myself into his hands so he can do with me as he wishes. Far from chastising me, this king, full of goodness and mercy, lovingly embraces me, seats me at his table, waits on me himself, gives me the keys to his treasures, and treats me in all things as his favorite. He converses with me and takes delight in me in countless ways without ever speaking of forgiveness or taking away my previous faults. Although I beg him to fashion me according to his heart, I see myself still weaker and miserable, yet ever more caressed by God. This is what I see from time to time while in his holy presence. My most typical approach is this simple attentiveness and general loving awareness of God from which I derive greater sweetness and satisfaction than an infant receives from his mother's breast. Therefore, if I may dare use the expression, I would gladly call this state the breasts of God because of the indescribable sweetness I taste and experience there. If on occasion I turn away either because of necessity or weakness, inner movements, so charming and delightful that I am embarrassed to talk about them. Call me immediately back to him. I beg you, Reverend Father, to think about my great weaknesses of which you are fully aware, rather than these great graces with which God favors my soul, unworthy and ignorant as I am. Regarding the prescribed hours of prayer, they are nothing more than a continuation of this same exercise. Sometimes I think of myself as a piece of stone before a sculptor who desires to carve a statue. Presenting myself in this way before God, I ask him to fashion his perfect image in my soul, making me entirely like himself. At other times, as soon as I apply myself, I feel my whole mind and soul raised without trouble or effort and it remains suspended and permanently rooted in God, as in its center and place of rest. I know that some would call this state idleness, self-deception, 
and self-love. I maintain that it is a holy idleness and a blessed self-love. Should the soul in this state be capable of it? In fact, when the soul is in this state of rest, its former acts do not trouble it. These acts were formerly its support, but now they would do more harm than good. I cannot agree to calling this self-deception, since the soul in this state desires God exclusively. If this is self-deception, then it's up to God to correct it. May he do with me as he pleases, for I seek him alone and want to be entirely his. I would appreciate it if you would let me know your impression of this. It would mean a great deal to me, for I have a special regard for you, Reverend Father, and am in our Lord yours. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This second letter to a spiritual director tells us something about its author, Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection, but also about the life of prayer and how it develops. And notice what he says about his timetable. At the writing of this letter, he's been in the Carmelite monastery for 42 years. He's 68 years old or 69. And he says that for the last 30 years, he's been living in the presence of God with no other will than God's will. He's been living in this constant loving awareness of God's presence, a loving but general awareness of God, a secret and quiet conversation. So there's something very intimate going on in his soul for 30 years. And when he's working and when he's praying, he says it's almost a continuation of the same thing. His whole life has now been simplified. Everything he does, insofar as it's part of the will of God, which is all he wants to do, seems to be one and the same thing. St. Francis de Sales, it, later in his life, after he was a bishop for a while, he wrote to St. Jane Francis de Chantel in the very similar language as to what Brother Lawrence is saying. St. Francis one time said, don't tell many people this, but basically prayer time and non-prayer time, it's all the same. Everything now for me is one long loving attention to God. Now, that is beautiful, and this is remarkable. But how did this happen to Brother Lawrence? Did he force himself into this state? Did he decide, I'm going to live this way, and I'm just going to simplify my life, and I'm going to stop praying? No, he kept praying. He never gave up his times of prayer. But what did he say? He said, I was changed all at once. In other words, God led him through 10 years of troubles and anxieties, 10 years of really trying to spend time meditating on the four last things, on his sins. And Brother Lawrence is not saying 
that all that was a mistake. He's not saying that one should not begin to pray that way. He's not telling us that the advanced state that he found himself in, that God gave to him, is what we should try to create on our own. No. But we should remember that this is where the Lord is leading us. We can't know the way very well if we don't know the goal, if we don't know the end, if we don't know where we're going to. Because this general loving awareness of God is something that the Lord gives to us at the beginning in little drips and drabs from the very beginning of our spiritual life. As we're trying to live the devout life, we will experience this most likely from time to time. It may not be very constant. It may not be very regular, but it will be a part of it. And what Brother Lawrence is saying is that that loving awareness can grow by our fidelity, by our asking it. But it's not something we create. He found himself changed once and for all. God did something in his soul. And St. Philip used to say, don't give up praying. Don't give up asking the Lord for something, even when he hasn't granted it, it seems, because God can give in a moment what we have asked for for many years. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.